Welcome to Road to the Cup on ESPN LA. Dave Denholm with you here on this beautiful day after Thanksgiving. Black Friday, hope you had a great holiday with you and yours. And what a game it was. It was the game we all were looking forward to after the draw in April. USA-England in Group B. It was the last game on the day. We'll certainly get to the other games, including one in Group B that kind of puts everything on its head now. Right? But USA-England end up nil-nil. This after Iran beat Wales. And it's so funny. When we talked to Stephen Betashore, Mario... That changed my whole outlook on this thing with Iran. We know what happened in the first match. They didn't really even want to play, it looked like, because of all the upheaval. Well, they came to play today against Wales, and Wales looked a step or two slow the entire game. Iran outshot them 21-10. to And Chesme and uh, Rosario late in stoppage time made it 2-0 Iran. It was looking like it might be a 0-0, which I think Wales, after about the 60th minute, Wales would have been giddy with the way that Iran played. But Iran deserved it. And now, it's all craziness. We'll get to more of the uh, kind of the what are the scenarios. But let's go back to this USA-England nil-nil. Well played by the United States. They were the better team. I'm sure anybody who's not completely a homer for England would tell you that. But you have to score. Nothing wrong with a point, but it doesn't really do much specifically in our situation. Now, that's not to say the United States played for a draw. They played to win. They outshot England 10-8. to I think England had technically more shots on goal, but only one of them really threatened Matt Turner. Good save by Matt Turner again. Defense was really good for the United States. Anthony Robinson, Tim Ream, Walker Zimmerman, Serginho Des, they really good. Really, I mean, did Mason Mount play in this game? Was Saka even, a, was he even playing in this game? For I mean, they were non-existent. And part of that's Eunice Musa. Weston McKinney and Tyler Adams. It was funny because the first 15 minutes, I kept telling myself, Tyler Adams and Weston McKinney look like traffic cones out there. They're just getting run over. And not, you know, they're just like not even moving. It looked like England was going, but it was only the first 10 minutes. USA absorbed that. Really nothing came of it for England. And then the United States and Weston McKinney and Adams just took over for long stretches of that first half. Yet, same old story. You hit a post. Great shot, Christian. Didn't go in. You miss a header. Good run, Christian. Didn't go in. I mean, Christian Pulisic is so good skill-wise, right? I mean, he's got skills that are, quite frankly, he was the best, most skilled player on the pitch today with all those English internationals that everybody likes to talk about. Because remember, Christian Pulisic, he plays in that – I mean, he's, he's not intimidated by these guys. You think he's worried about Harry Maguire and John Stones? Please. Or Trippier out there on the right. I mean, Christian Pulisic was the most talented player on the pitch. But Harry Kane's the best player on the pitch because he can put the ball in the back of the net. Now, is it really Pulisic's job to do that consistently? I mean, he's a winger. Yeah, you want him to get goals. But no, he's not a he's not a number nine, and we don't have one. And again, that's the glaring weakness. All due respect to Haji Wright, but when you're deciding to switch over from Josh Sargent to Haji Wright in the second game of the World Cup, you don't have an answer. You have, it's kind of like the old, if you have two quarterbacks in the NFL, you have zero. We have no number nine, apparently. None. Which is, again, another reason why you're wondering, like, why didn't they bring Ricardo Pepe or Brandon Vasquez again? Because Haji Wright got his shot today. Well, that's about the most I want to see out of him, if I'm being honest. He wasn't terrible. 
He was perfectly fine. He worked hard for most of the game until he got worn out. I'm not, it's not like he was a horrible player or he looked so out of his element. But he just didn't offer anything. I mean, a couple of decent little hustle plays that people will make too much of because we're the United States and everybody loves, oh, great defensive play, way to hustle. Put the ball in the back of the net. Be dangerous. And when you can't outrun McGuire and Stones, you're in trouble. Tim Weah, who had the great goal in the first match and looked very good against Wales. Rough one today, Tim. Hope he wasn't reading too many of his headlines, getting the uh, tweets from Pele after the first match. You know, his dad's there, the great George Weah. And boy, what I wouldn't give to have George Weah in a U.S. uniform now. Not now, because he's older, but uh, an informed George Weah might be all we need to win the whole stinking World Cup. But Timothy is not his dad. He's a winger who had a nice goal against Wales. He disappeared today. And it brings me to another point. What was Burhalter doing late in this match? Timothy Weah was absolutely gassed, and he was not very good when he was 100% fit in this match. He was gassed by like the 60th minute. I don't know how that happened because he could hardly keep his foot on the ball. And he was awful, frankly, for the 60 minutes he, he was running around uninhibited. But he still left him in there for so long. What are you doing? Finally, they take him out late in the match, get Giorena and Brendan Aronson some energy way too late. It felt like Burhalter at some point, like he seems to always want to do, decided we need the draw, which we didn't. That's the ironic thing about the Wales 2-0. When Wales got that second goal, I beg your pardon, when Iran got that second goal this morning, that changed everything. Because what what were we going to lose in the 80th minute if we lose 1-0 to England? Nothing changed. If that happens, push forward, get the win. Then you only need the draw against Iran, who's going to park the bus, right? Oh, Carlos Quiroz is licking his lips to park that Iranian bus for 90 minutes to dare us to try to find a goal because we can't. What were we thinking? Bringing in Aronson and Reyna when it's time to just kick the ball around for the last couple of minutes and take the draw? Ah, I mean, it's just Tim Weah was absolutely knackered, as the English would say, right? We're playing the English, so... And yet... And yet, this vaunted English team that was supposed to run us over, they were the second-best team on the day. But we said that against Wales, too, right? And it just brings me to something that I want to keep reminding everybody. We've got to demand more out of the U.S. We're too good to give each other a little pat on the shoulder. Nice job! Not too bad. What are we doing? We can go toe-to-toe with anyone. What country have we not beaten? Name me one. In all of world football, who has the United States not beaten? Nobody. We can win the whole stinking thing, or we can lose to Iran and go home with our tails between our legs. No question. But at some point, you got to grow up here. Every four years, i got to tell you people this. I'm tired of saying it. It's just not good enough to be like, well, held England, nil-nil. We were the better team. (laughs) And it kind of keeps, it it takes me back like, okay, well, maybe it's the cycle or what. We haven't had a forward since Josie Altidore, for crying out loud. I don't care who's been playing the position. And even Josie, let's face it, again, he's not like a world-class striker even in his prime. You had to hope he was hot. Thankfully, a lot of times he was. Good player. 
kill for him in his prime right now, huh? We don't even have that. All the talent around this pitch, and we couldn't. I mean, where are all our coaches coaching up young strikers in America, for crying out loud? How long does it take? Enough. Put the ball in the back of the net. Find somebody. And will we dare go for a third starting nine, number nine, in the third match of a World Cup that we have to win? Or is he just going to go back to Josh Sargent? Because if you're going to just go back to Josh Sargent after that first game, you should have just went with Josh Sargent today. Haji Wright? Okay, yeah, he's playing decent in Turkey. What has he ever done for the United States? Five caps coming into this match? And you're expecting, like, it's so much, it's unfair, really, to Haji Wright. I know he grew up with these guys, and they all played in the youth systems and did very well. This ain't it. This ain't the U-17s. Enough. Uh, and that's going to, I mean, it's frustrating. Look, it's too late now, right, in the sense of go find your number nine before all this. But what were we doing? What have we been doing? Can't wait to talk to a number nine, Hercules Gomez, coming up. We'll talk with Herc about this match. Mexico-Argentina tomorrow. We're going to be breaking this one down later, but I want to tell you, we got the uh, watch parties you've been hearing about. 11 a.m. tomorrow, kickoff. Fieldhouse Restaurant and Bar in Norco, 5555 Hammer. Or if you want to go, if you're closer to Chino, Kelly Sports Pub and Grill, 5402 Philadelphia. That's in Sweet K in Chino. And those are brought to you, of course, by ESPN LA 710 and our friends at Estrella Jalisco. Those are going to be fun, no doubt. What wasn't fun is nil-nil again, and we may well crash out of this World Cup with one goal scored. Now, if we can find our way through Iran, great. Maybe answers will come. I'm not saying we can't do it. Of course we can. We can win this group still. Because I don't think Wales is just going to roll over against England by any means. Because, oh, by the way, Wales is still alive. It's not like their World Cup is over as bad as they've played. And they're playing England. They're not rolling over for England. So anything can, I mean, still to play for every bit. We can win this group. Get out there and do it. And if they do, great. You know what? I've seen enough of Group A, which we'll be talking about later, that I don't hate our chances to go to the quarterfinals if we get out of this group. Right? Do the Netherlands scare you? Ecuador is very good. Do they scare you? Really? I mean, I might lose a little sleep over Ecuador, if I'm being honest, compared to some of the other, other teams. They're pretty good, yeah. But I'll take my chances. Right? You're not running into France in the round of 16. Get through this group. Get this win. But just so often with this U.S. team, we're scraping and clawing and everything so difficult. England did nothing against us today. And we could not make them pay. And it just may well be enough to send us home because in the World Cup, you have to make them pay. There's just too many teams that have plenty of good players running around in the middle of the field, right? These are all great players, even the team. But when you don't have that clinical finishing and that class up front, you may have to struggle. It's going to be everything you can do. We will talk coming up with Hercules Gomez. We'll have the uh, more reaction on this game and also taking a look at the Group A action on the day, plus get you the previews, Mexico-Argentina. Oh, what a game that's going to be Poland and Saudi Arabia. That is such an intriguing game now after what happened on match day one. For that group, I'm Dave Denholm. This is Road to the Cup on ESPN LA. 
Road to the Cup on ESPNLA. This is Dave Denholm with you, hanging out each and every Monday through Friday as we take a look at the World Cup and a big game, of course, in Group B. It was the one we were waiting for. USA and England played in the nil-nil draw. Who better to talk to about it than the man who hosts Football Americas, one of the best shows on television, not one of the best sports shows, one of the best shows for ESPN, former U.S. men's national team player, and boy, would I love to have him back running around in the front of this team at the number nine spot. It's Hercules Gomez. Herc, thanks for taking the time. Talk a little bit about this nil-nil draw. What were your instant reactions to this game? Dave, thanks for having me. I appreciate the intro. Football America, you can catch it every day during the World Cup, um, so we're excited about that. Initial reaction was, let me give you my initial reaction of when Iran beat Wales of how important that matchup would be. And then decisions that Greg Berhalter would have to make in this matchup. Because regardless if you beat England or not, I mean, you could beat England and theoretically not find yourself in the next round if you don't beat Wells. That's a reality. So it was going to be very important. And the only way he made, or excuse me, the only move he made was Haji Wright for Josh Sargent. And the team looked very good. The team dictated tempo, at pace, pinned back an English squad that many believe are a tournament favorite. With some players playing in the best leagues and the best teams in the world. And not only are those players playing in those leagues and those teams, but they're the most important players of those teams. So it, it really was a watershed moment for Greg Berhalter um, in the way they played, in the way they performed, in the way they made England. These English players who have played, this team literally has played a semifinal in a World Cup and a Euros final over the last four or five years. The way they made them respect them. It, it really was a, a statement performance. But ultimately, that will mean nothing if you can't cap it off or reward yourself with a win in Iran. Herc, what in the world do the U.S. do now going into this game against Iran at that number nine spot? You know, I, I said it. I mean, I'd kill for someone like you running around up in the number nine spot. Consistency, you know, have the guy up there. We just don't have that right now. Yeah, Dave, you know, I, I don't think you're going to get the guy. I think as in previous World Cups that you've seen, it's going to be by committee. Um, unfortunately, the U.S. don't have that nine that a killer for the national team that you can consistently say yeah. he's the nine or a Clint Dempsey that you can slot into that nine position. You say, we're okay with it. So it will be by committee and you will have to get more from other positions, but that nine will have to be a player to give you other things. Um, I thought Josh did very well in the first half versus Wells. Um, and the second half, the whole team, the team as a whole died out. They, they were tired. Uh, they didn't make a move, make a sub. It wasn't made. They ultimately suffered. And I think, you will be kicking yourself. They will be kicking themselves for not taking advantage of that game versus Wells and now being in this position. And against England, I thought Kaji played very well. I thought he was strong on the ball. There was a moment where he completely bodied, beasted uh, Harry Maguire. I thought he showed his worth and how he stretched uh, in getting others involved, did a lot of dirty things that sometimes don't show up. Um, but it's going to be by committee because the way you're going to hurt things, it won't be at the ninth position. It'll have to be from wingers. It'll have to be from your inside and your interiors. You know, your Weston McKinney's, your uh, Christian Pulisic's, your Smithy uh, Weyers, uh, that type of player. Gio Reyna coming up the bench or starting, if that's the case, making a difference. That's how you're going to hurt teams. And one of the two will be at the ninth. 
We're talking with Hercules Gomez, former U.S. men's national team player. He's in Qatar, host of Football Americas on ESPN. Great show. Herc, let me ask you about this next game now. Carlos Quiroz is not afraid to park the bus if he needs to, and a draw would go a long way, of course, for this team. It looks like potentially they they would obviously take a win and certainly want to win against the U.S., but how do you break down this Iranian team that is very good defensively and they may be parking the bus against this U.S. team? Yeah, that's a good question. That's one That's one way that the U.S. national team has primarily suffered um, under Greg Berhalter. It's when teams are in a low block, can we be treated enough to break them down? And the answer historically has been no. They, they've not been good enough to break teams down. Um, we just hung with one of the best teams in the world. They're trying to make favorites. It was a statement performance. But I will repeat, it means very little if you cannot get a win versus Iran. Iran is a very good defensive team, very, very good team to have belief. In their World Cup qualifying campaign, they lost five points out of a possible 30. Uh, they were first over teams like South Korea. Um, it's a team that I did not expect to see a performance like they had against England. That was, I want to say, one of these accidents in football. They're a much better team than that performance. Uh, would lead to make you believe. Very, very intense and dynamic team. You have to match the intensity and you have to match them for pace, especially out of the midfield. This is where that game will be won. If the likes of Weston McKinney, Tyler Adams, Musa, or whoever's in there, whether it's Aaron, Aaron from Giolari Reina or Delatoy, if they can match that, because I believe they have more quality in the midfield, they can dictate the tempo that this game is played at they will have opportunities in transition. They will draw these midfielders out. They will draw Iran out, get them out of their shell, and they can take advantage of those spaces with some very important players that they have in the offensive end. But you need to not be in a shell, a psychological shell like you were in the second half against Wales. You need to dictate how this game is played at your pace. Whatever you want the pace to be, you can't react. You have to make things react to you as they did England for long stretches of game. Yeah, could not agree more. I absolutely agree. It's a fascinating game, and I don't want to look too far ahead by any means. Iran can send us home, and we know that. If they are able to get by Iran, get out of the group, Herc, the way I look at this U.S. team, if they can get rolling a little bit, I think this is a team that could actually go very deep in this tournament. Am I wrong? Look, the, the most difficult teams to play against are, are those that are disciplined, those that can be vertical at a moment's notice, those that have speed, those that have difference makers in 1v1 positions, and those teams that can probably get something out of set pieces, and let's be honest, that maybe have a uh, sure hand in the back to, to save you when they'd be at uh, the goalkeeper position. I think the U.S. Men's National Team has a lot of that. Can they be consistent in the performances? Can they not let the moment overtake them like you saw the second half at Wells? And that's, a, that's the question with the U.S. Men's National Team where do we take them? Do we take them at their ceiling? Uh, you know, a very convincing 45 and very convincing 90 versus England um, offensively or at their basement, the second half versus a team like Wales that is easily the worst European competitor here in the World Cup. So they need to decide who they're going to be and they need to be consistent with that. Uh, and I believe they're consistent. They're going to be a handful for anything. I repeat, anything, especially the way that these teams in this, this tournament are playing uh, with a high defensive line. You're going to see a U.S. men's national team that's going to turn a lot of heads, garner a lot of respect, and uh, teams will have to be wary of, uh, of them. But it starts with Iran. Uh, it means nothing. If it, this means nothing if you can't cap it off with a win 
over over Iran because you could find yourself with the performance of a life, lifetime like you had against England, and on the outside looking in, um, going home if you can't beat Iran. They just need a tie. That's what Iran needs. They need a tie. Tremendous stuff from Hercules Gomez, former U.S. men's national team player, of course, with ESPN and Football Americas. Check out that show every day from Qatar as well. Herc, tremendous stuff. We appreciate the time, man. Great insight. Thanks so much. Have a good time, man. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Be well. Tremendous stuff there from Hercules Gomez, U.S. men's national team player. And he's right. You know, it, Obviously, it all comes down to Iran, but I even like what he's saying about this U.S. team. There are pieces here. Look. One good thing, and it sparked it when he was talking about that, one good thing I'm thinking about. Yeah, I'm a little critical about the nil-nil in the sense of where's our finishing? That's been the question I've had since day one with this team, you know, months ago, coming into this tournament. But he sparked something to me. We played better against England than we did against Wales. So we did get better from game to game thus far. That's intriguing to me because if you can continue to build on that, and maybe you get that early goal against Iran, and maybe they have to open up a little more than they would like at times, although Iran is a lot better than people think because of that hideous 6-2 that we talked about with Stephen Badishwar. It still clouds our mind, but if the United States can build on a performance, that's how you go deep in tournaments, right? Yeah, you still you keep getting better. You keep finding different things along the way that are getting better. Individual performances, defensive performances, uh, maybe set pieces, as Herc said. I mean, it's brilliant stuff because he's right. Maybe you start getting better and better and better and building on it. Then all of a sudden you look up and you're staring at the semifinal. And, you know, people think, oh, that's great. If you've watched the United States as much as we do, it, it, how can you say the U.S. can't make a run in this tournament? Now, they could get dumped out in this next game, of course. That's the World Cup. When you don't win... Any game in your group, you're going to have to battle in the third game, right? If you don't, if you didn't win your first two for sure, you're going to have to battle. So yeah, they can get. But if you watch this team, how could you say no? They can't possibly make a run. They're no. They were the better team of both games. Great stuff from Hercules Gomez. No question about it. We love talking to the former U.S. men's national team player. Again, check out his work on ESPN and Football Americas. Tremendous stuff. Still to come. We're going to talk about Group A, a little more from the USA-England game, but all the stuff in Group A, including Netherlands and Ecuador. That's next, Road to the Cup on ESPN LA. Road to the Cup on ESPN LA. Dave Denholm with you. Reaction from the USA-England. Nil-nil draw. Another game where we say the United States really had the better of the play, and yet they end up with a draw because they cannot finish enough chances. And in fairness, they created more, I felt, real chances in this game than they even did against Wales after the first, certainly in the second half against Wales, but really clear-cut chances. This was a better game even. So maybe they're improving in that, but you still got to put the ball in the back of the net. We'll see if Mexico can put the ball in the back of the net against Argentina, and you can watch it at a watch party brought to you by 710 ESPN, ESPN LA, and Estrella Jalisco, our friends over there. It's tomorrow, 11 a.m. kickoff. Mexico, Argentina, it will be a fun day to hang out with El Tree fans. Fieldhouse Restaurant and Bar in Norco, 5555 Hammer Avenue. Or if you're closer to the Chino area, Kelly's Sports Pub and Grill, 5402 Philadelphia at Sweet K in Chino. Both those watch parties brought to you again by ESPN LA, 710 ESPN, and Estrella Jalisco. Now, back a little bit to this USA-England game. Everything to play for, right? You beat Iran, and you're going through. 
So would we have taken that a couple weeks ago? Yes. All is not lost. I am not down on the U.S. I think we've played very well. It's just that frustration of, man, you you really finish your chances. And I'll say it, Mario, we should have six points right now. And really, we should have won this group. There. Now, again, it's the whole World Cup hype and hysteria from everybody. Like, oh, this team is always going to beat this team. That Just throw that junk out the window most of the time. you got to go play. We would have won this. We should have won this group. <laughs> now that I've seen all the teams, right? And we played toe-to-toe with them. We gave up two points to Wales because it happens. Bad mistake by Walker. He'll be the first to tell you. It happens. Walker Zimmerman's played great this World Cup. Minus diving in on a world-class player who smartly <laughs> kind of baited him into it. It happens. But when you can't finish up front and you're not clinical, you're going to have to scrape and claw. We can still get there, though. Absolutely. Mario, you look like you wanted to say something there. What do you? Oh, I'm going to say just how proud I am of the guys, right? And we can be as proud as we want of the guys. Yeah. But who's going to put the ball in the back of the net? Yeah. Who's up top there that's going to that's gonna bang it in there for us? Absolutely. You I mean, know, how I, many I, chances I, are we going to get and, and they're just not going to convert? we got to convert on those. Yeah, it's funny. I have a Dutch friend, right? And yeah. uh, he, big Netherlands uh, football fan, big football fan, big LAFC guy. And I, I texted him, you know, hey, pretty good match. You know, after, you know, Netherlands kind of got run over after they got the early goal. But you, you hung on, right? You got the one point for the Netherlands in Group A. They needed that at least to get that. And he was like, oh, it was a garbage performance. You know, and okay, he doesn't know as much about Ecuador maybe as some other, you know. It, it was a garbage performance, though. You have to hold your good teams to a high standard or your team to a high standard. And you should be trying to not just, well, we got the draw, we're doing this. Yeah, sometimes a draw is a good result as the game goes or as your group goes. But it's also how you get there. So at least for the United States, Mario, we've given ourselves chances to win. We should be on six points. Realistic. What about giving ourselves that last chance at the yes. final, just before the final whistle? There, Burrow oh, just pointing at his watch. He's posting, pointing at his watch, like, "Hold up, stop, stop the time. We got the draw. We got the draw." Kind that of is a great point. Frankly, just put the ball into the mixer and see what happens, and then let the whistle blow. Yes. What are you doing? You you send everybody up there to just kill the. What was the point of that? What do you, and not only that, a 1-0 loss. If by some crazy chance Pulisic approaches that ball, slips, right, and kicks it right to an Englishman who then races all the way down the pitch oh, to God. score in the final seconds, it really right. doesn't matter. It really yeah. doesn't matter at that point to lose 1-0, right? That was even more frustrating then. And then when you bring in Reyna and Aronson and you barely even let them, I don't know, it was just kind of like, they didn't really have much to do. We weren't trying to get forward with these fresh legs. Like, go for the win! Because 1-0 really meant nothing if you lost. Yeah, okay, England's going through, and and maybe then they don't, you know, they rest some guys against what Trust me, England's bench, if they want to, they'll beat, you know, like, it's not like they couldn't, it doesn't matter who plays. Like, don't worry about those mind games. Go for it. Now, again, there are times that you got to be smart about these things. Certain situations, a draw is, you know, great. Maybe you only need a draw to get through. This wasn't that opportunity. Go for it, and we did most of the match, and that's even maybe more frustrating in the sense we didn't like sit here and just try to play for a draw by any means. We were the better team, so just very like, ugh, I'm, we're almost at that point where we were just like one of the better teams in the whole stinking tournament. 
better teams in the in the first two matches. We were the better team, yes. right? But it's so against frustrating team, to not be able to come out with the three points. Yeah, and against the two teams everybody thought were getting through the group, right? Yeah. Wales and England, if you're a Euro snob. And against a team who some people think are going to win the whole stink or can you know go a long way at the very least. We were the better team. So we're one of the better teams in the tournament thus far. And we got two points on one goal. Oh, man. Group A was nuts again. As I said, the Netherlands-Ecuador game. Crazy because the Netherlands got off to a great start on a bad giveaway by Moises Caicedo. And I'll just whisper this. Caicedo plays in the Premier League. He's a good player. If he was in MLS, they would have killed him for that giveaway. Okay? That's how, that's how social media worked, right? Instead, Sebastian Mendez, who's in MLS, was again the dominant player in the midfield for Ecuador. And by the way, Caicedo turned it around and had a very nice game. They got a goal for Enter Valencia, his third of the World Cup in the 49th minute. And they get the draw. So it's a good result for Ecuador. But now they got a tricky one against Senegal. And the Netherlands has Qatar. Qatar got their first World Cup goal, but I'm glad it's like, okay, Senegal beat them 3-0. They're out. Qatar's done. So I kind of now we don't have to worry to talk about that. You know, like, okay, you're done. And I don't suspect they'll put up much of a fight against Netherlands. I mean, they'll play hard, but the Netherlands should be all right there, at least get a draw or a win, which would put them through. Uh, but, you know, Ecuador, they had all the chances late in that match, all the chances really throughout most of that match. Way better team than Netherlands on the day. Ecuador really has something going. But again, Senegal can get up in your face for 90 minutes. It's not going to be easy in that next match. Ecuador-Senegal, oh, this group is going to be absolutely nail-biting on that final day. What I liked about Senegal is when Qatar got a goal in the 78th, and it was they cut the lead to 2-1 after goals from Dia and Diadu. And then, but Senegal came right back like five, six minutes later and got a goal from Jiang to end it. And that was really encouraging for Senegal, I think, just to kind of just keep their, that two goal difference because now they're back to even despite being disappointedly giving up a late goal against the Netherlands, which really flattered the Netherlands in a 2 0 win against Senegal. So that group is just everything to play for in that final day. That is going to be magnificent, frankly. And that's going to be chaos on that final day. Uh, the, uh, the the big player for Ecuador in this tournament, of course, enter Valencia. But, man, i got to take a minute to talk about Sebas Mendes. Yeah, I mean, he's a free agent in MLS. So, I mean, he could go anywhere. Holy cow. He has been one of the best players in the tournament. He's, a, he's LAFC's fifth midfielder. That's no disrespect to him. He's a great player. LAFC knew it. That's why they went and got him. But, you know, so many people talk to me legitimately, and I tweeted this out earlier. They're legitimately asking me. People who are true football fans from all over will, you know, sometimes, how is MLS? How, how are LAFC? Like, really, how good are they? And, you know, it's hard to, when you're talking about the world's game and there's millions of players, thousands of leagues, you know, it's hard to kind of quantify, but that's a good answer. One of the best players in this tournament thus far, best 11-type midfielder, is the fifth midfielder for LAFC. There's your answer. Now let that sink in. And by the way, a great player. It's not like he struggled in MLS or he just he just didn't play that many minutes. He's our fifth midfielder for a championship side, admittedly. But that's why that's how good MLS and LAFC are. That's your answer. This guy's absolutely bossing it in the midfield for a team that looks really dangerous. Now, if Ecuador come out without Mendez because he got a second yellow, he's out of that game against Senegal. If they come out and kind of 
slip on a bar of soap there and fall on their face, they could be out of the World Cup. <laughs> so the margins are still fine margins in these group stages sometimes. You've got to be careful, but Sebastian Mendez in those first two games, maybe we'll see Jose Cifuentes get a, a run out because of the Mendez yellow, red, uh, second yellow, I should say. Mendez has to miss that game. Hopefully their manager will be smart enough to put a Cifuentes in the midfield for that next game against Senegal because Senegal are not to be trifled with in the midfield. They are tough. They are smart. Senegal's a good team. I know it looked like, no, the Netherlands won 2-0. That was a very close game, way closer than the score. But Senegal has to go out and do it against Ecuador in that match. Hey, still to come, we got stoppage time. We'll take a look ahead. Big games tomorrow. Oh, I cannot wait. Group C and D, Mexico and Argentina. What is going to go down in that one? We'll talk about it. Coming up next, it's the Road to the Cup with Dave Denholm on ESPN LA. Road to the Cup on ESPN LA. Dave Denholm with you as we roll on. And boy, this tournament just goes on and on and on every day, and I love it. I love it. We're with you on this show every Monday through Friday. We'll have a special show coming up near the final of this tournament on a weekend. But every Monday through Friday, you can check us out. If you miss anything, podcast it. Go to wherever you get your pods. Go to ESPN LA app. The ESPN LA app has a, a nice little uh, button you press there for this show. All the former episodes come up too, and it'll be up there, uh, you know, and just ready for your enjoyment, certainly. Now, uh, Argentina, as we know, did not enjoy their opener against Saudi Arabia in Group C. Well, they're back in action tomorrow. And these games we want to talk about. Mexico-Argentina is the big one. It's the late one, 11 a.m. Pacific time. The day starts in Group D with Tunisia and Australia. That's at 2 a.m. Poland and and, uh, Saudi Arabia in Mexico's Group C at 5 a.m. And France and Denmark at 8 in Group D. And then, of course, as I said, Mexico. Let's start with Mexico-Argentina. Everything on the line for Argentina. Mexico has no trouble punching big teams in the nose and playing toe-to-toe with them because Mexico are very good. I just think maybe in this uh, this game, I don't. I, I kind of feel like maybe Mexico just not quite up to their L tree level as usual. Not to say they're a bad team. They played Poland very tough. Should have got the win. Very USA-like out of Mexico, right? Dominate most of the game. Can't score. Uh, you know, I just think there's too many question marks with this Mexico team talent-wise. Overall, I know there's some injuries. but And again, would it shock me if Mexico shocks Argentina? No, it wouldn't even be a shock. I'm just telling you I think Argentina has their head on straight where they know they can still go a long way in this tournament, even though they lost to Saudi Arabia. Oh, by the way, maybe, maybe Asia's just really good because – all the Asian teams, minus Qatar, who didn't have to qualify, obviously, all the Asian teams are pretty darn good and have looked it. So maybe that confederation is just has some good teams. Maybe Saudi Arabia is going to give Poland everything they can handle, and I think they will. So I do believe Argentina is going to get that wake-up call. And this is not just Lionel Messi and Prey. <laughs> Laturo Martinez is dangerous. I mean, we're talking inches away from having that second goal against Saudi Arabia, and everything else probably changes then if he does, if they one of those do count, right? Now, Mexico's not going to try to, you know, skirt that tight of a line with Argentina. They can go toe-to-toe with them, maybe, and as long as Tata Martino believes that, and I think he does, but it's really going to be about finishing for Mexico. Who do they find to put in the goals? I mean, uh, you know, obviously we all know the story, even... 
Sebastian Salazar talked about it, you know, with on a, with us on the show a few days ago when he was on Raul Jimenez, a terrible injury that happened and it kind of really sidetracked him. Now again, thankfully he's come back physically. Most importantly, we hope he's all right, 100%. That who cares about soccer, but it just really kind of changed him, I think, as a player, which is not a big surprise, and it's not his fault by any means, but it's just it, it leaves Mexico still very, again, very U.S.-like in wanting and needing that true number nine. And against Argentina, you're going to have to finish your chances. And I think Argentina will get that done and get right back into the group. You know, I wouldn't be shocked with a draw, which obviously doesn't really help Argentina that way. It doesn't kill them potentially, but wouldn't be ideal. But I wouldn't be shocked with it. And let's remember too, Mexico has Saudi Arabia last. Now, Saudi Arabia, again, very fine team. But if you're Mexico and you need to throw everything forward to get a result, you can, you, you might be able to find something there against Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia are very stout defensively. But if if they have to withstand 80 minutes of that L tree pressure, <laughs> and if, if, if L tree decides to just go nuts on you, uh, nobody knows, like the U.S., of course, and other CONCACAF teams, how that can turn out. Because if Mexico, I wouldn't surprise me, if Mexico needs a 4-0 against Saudi Arabia, it'll be 3-0 in the 87th minute. Let's just put it that way. That's what I expect. I expect chaos out of this group, so that may well be what happens. Those things, everything shakes down out of a group on the second match day, right? Everything becomes a lot clearer. Now, it doesn't usually resolve anything officially, but... In Group D, Tunisia, Australia. Australia's going to have to recover from playing France in their first match. I expect they'll look a lot better. Tunisia, for me, had a great game against Denmark. Just one of those teams that has to be able to find that last touch of class in the final third. And in the in really the 18. If they can do that against Australia, Tunisia is going to be right in this group if they can get a win. Denmark, France, I... Uh, let me see. Kind of sniffing a, I'm sniffing a draw here between uh, France and Denmark. It smells like a draw because Denmark, as I've said, might be the toughest team in the world to beat. And that's what I. It's kind of what I feel like that. So might be the toughest team in the world to beat. That's Denmark. So I think France having that big goal difference first game. You know, I'm not saying Didier Deschamps is going to take his foot off the gas necessarily, and France has so much talent. But Denmark, can, uh, they can give you fits defensively and certainly have enough skill of their own that this could be an interesting, like, a 1-1 battle here that doesn't, you know, doesn't really, does, certainly doesn't kill France by any means. That would give them four points. But it would be interesting, especially, though, since France and Denmark will both know what happened in that first match. That does change things, right? We always talk about the schedule within a, a group. First, you look at the draw. What teams do we have in our group? Then you look at the schedule, which is big. We talk about that a lot. Where do the, the games fall? Then you look at the day of the schedule. Like, what time do these games happen? Because Denmark will know if Tunisia already went out and got that result against Australia, or if Australia was able to get a win, or if it, that was another draw, right? So it does matter. And I think that Denmark will have watched the Tunisia-Australia game, see what the result is, and that will very much affect their game against France one way or the other. Because they're certainly capable. The Danes, Ericsson is good. I still think they're a team that, again, very tough to beat, but I don't know that they have enough class all the way over around the pitch to kind of 
get the important wins they need, certainly in the knockouts. Would not surprise me if they get out of the group by any means. But in the knockout stages, I'm not terrified of playing Denmark. That's just the kind of team they are. So we'll have to see how that shakes out in Group D. Fascinating stuff all the way around. No two ways about it. And we'll just have to see how what goes down in those groups. Time now for one of our favorite segments. We take a look at the fourth official and determine how much stoppage time with the great Mario Rees. Mario, how are you, buddy? Dave, we're going two minutes on this one. Stoppage time is two minutes on right. this one. And I want to talk about some of the uh, the Man of the Match awards that's been going on with uh, the FIFA World Cup this time <laughs> around. And they've been hit or miss on these. Yeah. Uh, for, for the U.S. match, it was Christian Pulisic, this match. Uh, I agree with that one. Yeah. Uh, Ronaldo got Man of the Match in his match, and he, you know, he was scoring that goal, and he got the fifth. I would give it to Zhao Felix, but I get it. It's, you know, it's not, well, it wasn't Ronaldo the worst. Ronaldo made history in that one, so yeah. they had to give him to that one. It wasn't one. the worst choice ever, no. But there was a couple of other ones that, <laughs> that we didn't really uh, agree on as far as that. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne, oh my gosh, Dave. What? What? The other day, Wednesday against Canada. I don't know about that one, Dave. That was very questionable. Every Canadian player. Yeah. And probably eight out of the 11, you know, 10 other Belgian players that were starters were better than Kevin De Bruyne. He might have been the worst player on the pitch that game. And Kevin De Bruyne is world class. Like we, this is not a shot at him. It was one of the worst games I've ever seen him play. But didn't he say something? To his credit, I think he ripped him for that choice. Not ripped him, but even he said, I didn't deserve it. Right? Yeah, he kind of I mean, disagreed. He kind of disagreed yeah, I mean, <laughs> receiving that trophy. Wow. I think it's very much, isn't it a sponsored bit? Right? Isn't it like a big sponsorship for that? Who is the, is it I'm Budweiser? Sure it is. I hate to be wrong on that. Take a, see if you can find a picture of that. So I, we know it's like kind of, it's not exactly like we have to make sure we pick the exact right player who was the player of the match, you know, in some kind of statistical analysis or anything. They're looking for. Yeah, it is Budweiser, t- Dave. No, okay. So, you know, it's more of a certainly a promoted thing and all this. So they yeah. want the big names with those, you know, they want to choose the big names. That's fine. I think we can pretty much discount that award from here on out, though, for the most part, if they're giving it to Kevin De Bruyne in that match, one of the worst games I've seen him play. One of the worst games anybody's played in this tournament. Sorry. And I don't care if I, I mean, look, he's a great player and he could still be the best player in this tournament. <laughs> As things shake out. But I even said it that day, Mario. He looked like he was 51, not 31 years old in that match. Canada ran him all over the pitch and embarrassed him. And then they give him the, yay, man of the match. (laughs) Tell me you haven't watched the match without telling me you haven't watched the match. Wow. Oh, that was, that's precious. Well, and in fairness, Christian Pulisic right up there. Who would you have given it to? Would it be a Pulisic today? Yeah, I kind of agree with that one, Dave. He was all over the pitch. Um, he had a couple of chances, hit the crossbar. He just missed on that header. It went off his shoulder. But yeah, yeah. I'd definitely give it to Christian uh, Pulisic. I got no problem with that. Mm-hmm. I, I would have maybe given it to a defender. Tim Ream had a very good game. I think they kind of controlled the back. I mean, Walker Zimmerman had a good game. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, all of them did, really. I've been super impressed but I also with Ream. I, I, super impressed with Ream, both games. Yeah. See, I think I would have given it to Tyler Adams in the first game, for sure. I don't know who got it then. Um, pro- I think it was Bale, in fairness. Mm-hmm. So, okay, see, another, you know, Bale didn't do much, but he did get the tying penalty and kind of turned the tide right. in terms of, you know, the way, the the feeling of how it ended. But, yeah, I think I would have given it to Pulisic today, too. No, I got no problem with that. Maybe Tim Ream or Pulisic. Yeah, no problem with that at all. Good stuff, as always, Mario. Thank you so much for listening. You can check out 
all of these shows. If you miss anything, miss a segment here on ESPN LA, you can go podcast it wherever you get your pod or go to the ESPN LA app. I am Dave Denholm. This is Road to the Cup on ESPN LA.